Hello, and welcome back to the Country Intelligence Report. We are your hosts, Spencer Bentley, Terrell Cummings, and Devin Florzak. Today, we have an interesting topic that we at Country Intel are actually in the midst of exploring ourselves, and that is the power of partnerships in contracting. Partnerships can be a very valuable and highly effective tool for small businesses looking to enter into the federal contracting space. And uh, it can be quite a complex process that really involves a lot of different aspects of entrepreneurship, um, you know, technical um, literacy regarding the ins and outs of partnerships and what they mean legally, and um, just a lot of sort of opaque uh, little avenues that you have to explore and really have to learn by doing. So this is going to be a really interesting topic for us to discuss here, and, and we'll go ahead and dive right into it. I'll pose this to the group here. What is the potential for partnerships as a strategic tool for small businesses in the federal contracting space? And moreover, how can those collaborations amplify the capabilities of those with small business set-asides and enable them to take on more significant contracts while diversifying their offerings? Um, I can go ahead and kick things off uh, as far as, you know, partnerships for small businesses and collaborating kind of like those larger businesses for federal government contracts. You know, I think it is kind of essential for those small businesses just because they may not necessarily know the the process that goes into it, you know, as far as responding to an RFP or to resources sought. So it's one way for them to kind of learn that whole process uh, initially. And another thing is they can, you know, if they do have a small business set aside, veteran-owned veteran owned set aside, 8A or hub zone, any of those other designations, they may be attractive to those larger companies that don't have those set aside so that they won't, they won't necessarily have to go into a full open competition. So that's another way that they can increase their odds of winning to bid, uh, utilizing their experience with your set aside uh, status in order to do that. And then another thing is if you want to try to come in as a subcontractor, as a small business with a larger business and kind of just come in, tag along, get some of the work, learn the ropes, you know, get good, whatever you're doing under that subcontract and whatnot, you can gain that past performance. You can ultimately build past performance to go. And if you want to be a prime on your own, you can do that and you gain that experience as well. Or you also become more attractive to other uh, potential future team partners because you have that capability on an actual live contract. And, um, you know, if you, have, you score well, if you do well with the client, you know, you'll be more attracted to others in the future as well. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I guess something, well, I, I feel like I've thought about it before, but um, as far as when you're talking about competition and, you know, things that are out for bid, you know, especially if it's a sole source where maybe it's only for small businesses. If you do, you know, end up teaming up with another small business for that opportunity, Charlie, I think something along the lines you said is that that sort of sort of shrinks the competition pool. Um, and you can, you know, sort of pool your odds together of, you know, at, at least getting a, a chunk of the work. Uh, and obviously not all of it if you're partnering with someone. And, you know, that's always a good thing. Um, and, you know, the, the obvious thing, too, is that, you know, if if your company has something that, you know, they're lacking and, and you can find a willing and able partner to sort of fill that gap, you know, that's great. And, you know, that as you said, Charles, well, you know, that, that opens up the 
you know, line of work, you know, in the future. Um, and, you know, also just helps you network your company in general. Um, something that I thought was, you know, has been interesting in these last couple of weeks that we've been talking to a few different, you know, companies here and there um, was, or, or at least something that I learned is that it's important to be direct, you know, when you're talking to, you know, potential companies that you're looking to partner with. You know, for me, I, I feel like sometimes, you know, if, I don't know, I, not like I, I want to hurt anyone's feelings, but, you know, I feel like sometimes I, you know, sort of build away from that. Um, and, you know, as, as we were on this other call the other day, you know, the, this company said that they had a, a certain capability, but it was with a certain type of, you know, capability that they had um, that we weren't specifically looking for. And I thought it was good that, you know, not myself, but, you know, others on the call, you know, straight up said like, Hey, you know, we actually specifically need this and you guys don't have this, but they sort of offered up that olive branch of, but you know, in the future, if, if we could use that capability, we, we want to reach back out to you guys. So I think it's important to be, you know, upfront and direct in situations like that. And I feel like I'm not the best in that situation, but you know, at least that's something I learned is that, you know, you gotta be direct with people um, when you're trying to make these partnerships and, and be you know clear on what you're looking for. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, when, when it comes to partnering, um, time, time is money. Uh, that's in business in general, but, you know, especially for uh, whatever situation may necessitate a partnering opportunity is usually time sensitive. Um, it's usually something that uh, requires quite a bit of buy-in from the high levels of management in the organization's. And like you said, Devin, uh, you know, the best way to be respectful of, of potential partners is to be very straightforward with, with your asks and, uh, remove all ambiguity in terms of, uh, what the expectations are. Um, because, you know, if entering into a partnership, uh, you, you're not crystal clear on exactly what people are bringing to the table and, uh, what they expect to get out of it, then, you know, you're going to, pretty much set yourself up for some complications down the road. Um, so that, that's, that's big. And also I wanted to point out that, you know, the benefit of partnering isn't only on the small business. Uh, the small business does get a lot of benefits. Um, but in the federal space, you know, there's something called a small business set aside, uh, where certain contracts, uh, have a requirement. Um, certain organizations have a requirement to include or, um, uh, vet or um, potentially uh, only uh, seek out small businesses for potential contracts. And many larger organizations, you know, there, there is a, a very defined threshold. And if you're beyond that threshold, you simply don't qualify. So a lot of uh, small businesses can really benefit from understanding that uh, mechanation understanding and, and seeking out that small business set aside designation when they're thinking about uh, bidding for contracts and uh, understanding that they have leverage in the partnership. It's, it's not solely um, to the benefit uh, of the, of um, you know, the large business. Um, oftentimes those small business set asides are the make or break uh, determination on who or, or what a group of 
companies are going to ultimately be awarded the contract. So um, definitely a very powerful tool uh, for both parties involved and um, something that small businesses should really get uh, well-versed on uh, if they're looking to enter into the space or or uh, if they're looking at, to expand within the federal contracting space as well. Um, I would also say for small businesses, something to think about when you are partnering with these larger companies or larger firms, um, you know, they may be able to staff contracts if you do win more quickly and don't know what kind of experience small businesses have as far as going through that process, as far as trying to, depending on how many FTEs you have, you know, if you have seven or eight FTEs, what's your turnaround time getting those FTEs? Have you already recruited those FTEs with resumes? Hopefully you have. And so that's taking that's already been taken care of, but it's something you have to turn around quick. You know, is your company familiar with how to do that? Can you do that? Can you get those individuals um, as needed? Can you float the salaries of those individuals until you start getting paid on the contract? Um, just those types of things. Um, may come into play potentially that small businesses may not think about um, initially when um, when partnering. So, or if they were to prime a contract and they won, that's just something about you know if there's 15 FTEs on it, can you float those positions potentially um, prior to you know getting paid or whatever it may be? So it's just more of those things to think about. And FTEs is full time employees for those not not versed in the in the jargon, but yes, yeah, that's that. a, no, no. I just <laughs> wanted to be uh, clear for the audience here, but no, that that's a great point. Um, a lot of those logistical issues um, are just not really uh, in the purview, I think, of a lot of small businesses, um, especially you know when they're looking to level up and uh, assuming that the impetus for partnership is taking on a larger contract than they're either qualified on their own to obtain or uh, have the personnel and um, ability to execute. Um, Yeah, definitely have to take into account that um, with larger contracts comes more complicated logistics, uh, both on the um, recruiting and uh, payroll and a whole host of other issues that you have to take into account. So that that's a great, great point to And, you know, kind of just stepping back, we should discuss the types of partnerships that exist, you know, the types of structures. Uh, There are things called joint ventures. There's subcontracting, a mentor-protege relationship, which I just became pretty familiar with. Um, And I'd like for us to just discuss the benefits and the challenges of these types of structures, um, especially as it pertains to small businesses looking to navigate sort of the complexities of this whole landscape. So, you know, just starting at the top here, you know, what are some sort of partnership structures um, that small businesses should become aware of? Yeah, um, to start with, you know, joint ventures, I think these are good, at least in the federal space, for two companies that have equal amounts of experience and equal amounts of things that they could bring to the table. And sort of, you know, as far as when it comes to like actually looking at a contract, I, I think it more so has to deal with, um, or, or, or these more so come up when, th- you know, companies are looking at a specific contract and they're familiar with, you know, a company or two that might be able to provide something that they can't, but they know that, you know, everyone's pretty equal in, in footing, um, you know, at least as far as it goes on the federal contract side. Uh, and then, you know, and, and sort of in contrast, the, the subcontracting, 
Um, you know, even as a small business, you know, we, we've subcontracted before. Um, you know, it doesn't just have to be, you know, a, a big, you know, contracting vendor and looking to subcontract a small business, small can subcontract a small and, and so on and so forth. And I, I think these are more so better um, when, you know, for example, you know, for us, you know, if, if we can cover 89 percent of the work and we just need that last 10 percent for someone, um, that, that could be great. Um, uh, another time this could, you know, come into play is if, you know, since we have, you know, experience in the federal contracting space and say, you know, we know some companies that, you know, are able to provide some capabilities that we don't have, but they don't have experience in the federal contracting space. That can also be, you know, a, a great vehicle to sort of use. Um, and, you know, the, the way that we sort of portray that is, you know, we're, we typically, you know, see companies out that have certain capabilities um, and, you know, we let them know that, you know, hey, like, you know, if, if you partner with us and you subcontract with us, you know, you'll be able to show that you have some federal contracting experience going forward. So I think that's a great way to get, you know, your foot in the door if you're you're looking to get some federal contracting experience. Um, and then the mentor-protege relationships, I think, you know, to me, uh, I'm not too familiar with this. The, the only thing that I am sort of familiar with this is um, my knowledge regarding the larger contracting vendors um, that provide the opportunity to become a supplier for small businesses. And, you know, most of the larger contracting vendors, Booz Allen, Lockheed, Northrop, you know, they all have these supplier websites that you can go ahead and, you know, essentially, you know, let them know who your company is, what capabilities do you have, and you essentially get added to, you know, their list of, you know, small businesses or companies of certain set of sides that they can use, you know, down the road for certain work. And, you know, the, the obvious drawback to that is, you know, the government doesn't really know when these large companies are supplementing some of their work with some of these suppliers. So that's really the only downside to that. You know, some companies, you know, do that to sort of get their foot in the door as well with the federal contracting space. But, you know, the government, you know, folks that you're working with might not even know that, you know, you're a separate entity from the large, you know, vendor that you're working with. So, you know, each of these really have, you know, their upsides and downsides, you know, for, but especially for folks that, you know, have companies that do certain things that are trying to get their foot in the door, I think the best way to go is to be subcontracted. So, you know, your company's name at least gets, you know, put on the agreement and you can sort of get your name out there that way. Yeah, I think that's um, a, a good good way to be very clear-minded when it comes to uh, the, the benefits of these types of partnerships and um, you know, I, I think that small businesses have to understand that, um, you know, it, it's really incumbent upon you to be your own cheerleader in the space, um, especially when you're partnering with larger, say, uh, defense contractors, like you mentioned, like Deloitte, Booz Allen, uh, you know, the, these larger sort of conglomerate size uh, uh, entities, uh, you know, they they have made their name by um, you know, being their own sort of brand champions, right? So when they're subcontract, subcontracting out work, it's not to their benefit to really uh, inform the client that they're being supplemented by these small businesses. It really is incumbent upon the small business to ensure that 
they're getting the visibility and um, you know the, the the brand recognition that they they deserve for their efforts. Um, but that is not to say that it is not a great opportunity. Um, you know, subcontracting work is a great rate for uh, small businesses, like you said, to enter into the space, to diversify their portfolio within the federal contracting space. Uh, if you have a very niche set of, uh, you know, skills as a, as a, as a business, um, that can be broadly applicable. Subcontracting out work is a great way to just sort of dip your toes in the waters of many different organizations and departments within the government. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a powerful tool. And, um, you know, regarding the mentor protege program, um, you know, from what I understand, it's, it's more or less a form of subcontracting that is more akin to like an internship, but on a company wide basis, um, where, um, a larger organization sort of brings you into the fold of their operations. Um, and however, they're sort of positioning themselves with different contracts. They are uh, ensuring that uh, the client understands that uh, they have the capability of tapping into your organization as well. So it's just a way of sort of aligning yourself on a um, official and non-official basis with a with an organization and this is i think it's more advantageous for um small businesses like i said that have a really um a really defined niche uh and skill set uh to enter into these mentor protege um relationships so that there's not a lot of overlap um and and you can sort of ensure that you're growing uh, in a way that's equitable for, for both parties involved. So, um, can, again, can be a very powerful tool for, for small businesses, um, looking to enter into spaces that are, you know, especially spaces that are uh, either highly regulated or sort of, uh, you know, certain companies have a monopoly on them. Uh, the mentor protege relationship can be, can be pretty powerful. So, um, definitely something worth considering for, for all the small businesses out there. And one other thing as far as mentor-protege relationship for all small businesses out there, there is a mentor-protege uh, program put out by the SBA, the Small Business Administration. So, yes, there can be mentor-protege relationships outside of that where you have to, get to, where you have, to have your own separate agreements on your own is how you, you would go about that. But there is an actual program put together by the Small Business Administration where you have to, you have to find your mentor – but, you know, there are certain parameters that the mentor has to fall into and the project has to fall into as well on how they um, or before they're even able to go ahead and operate new business. So, like, for instance, the mentor, they have to be um, a certain size uh, company that have, have certain uh, status as far as, um, you know, good character and everything um, to be able to to actually provide assistance as a mentor uh, to the protege, not be debarred or suspended, and they have to be able to you know be willing to impart wisdom to the protege from their experience in contracting. So it's really a way for the small business to gain that experience, see someone who's done it previously, has won multiple contracts, has staffed multiple contracts, and everything like that. So they can actually see the process, and the mentor can guide them through that program. And it's something that is already uh, set in place. And the Small Business Administration wants to make sure that it's not like a pass-through program either. So that, like we were talking about before, the the larger businesses can't just come in and, you know, utilize these small businesses and then just use it for their name. And that's it. So the small businesses get something out of it as well. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, again, small business is very, very important that you uh, – 
equip yourself with knowledge when entering into any partnership. Um, you want to make sure that that it's equitable. Um, and on that that note, you know, I think it's important that we discuss how different contracting vehicles factor into uh, the dynamic of of building a partnership. Um, you know, there's things like IDIQs and other specialized contracting vehicles that can really serve as a platform for small businesses to form these partnerships. And I just want us to sort of briefly touch on, you know, what the significance of those contracting vehicles, uh, you know, can be on a partnership and, and the technical aspects of, of, you know, how they impact how the partnership will form and the dynamics that will exist within that partnership. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it'd be good to touch on IDIQs again, especially because we, we just talked about them, I think, in the, the previous or previous two episodes. Um, and, you know, IDIQs it stands for indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity. And it's a type of contracting vehicle where essentially, you know, a, an organization, you know, a federal organization is going to say, you know, hey, you know, we're going to use this vehicle for, you know, 5, 10, 15 different 20 you know, areas uh, that that companies can apply for that, and but they're going to say is you know they, they're not sure of the specific work that's going to go through it. I'm sure they have you know some sort of idea, but essentially what they're doing is they're just trying to put you know a broad contract vehicle out there to apply for, um, where companies can go ahead and apply. They can you know take a look and see what areas they fit under, and essentially you know they'll you know write a proposal as as normal. Um, and, and how they can, you know, fit in certain areas, you know, on the IDIQ vehicle. Um, and then, of course, if, if you get accepted, um, you know, you're on the vehicle and, you know, any work that, you know, that organization um, does um, and tries to put through that vehicle, you know, you, you'll be able to apply for it. And, you know, as, as we mentioned before, the, the good thing is that, you know, if you're on one of these vehicles, you know, your competition pool is a lot smaller, you know, versus, you know, the work being just full and open to bid on. Um, obviously, there's some downside with that. Um, whether or not you know the the other companies you know might have a stronger case to to go on that work, and you, know, you sort of get your company sort of gets shut out from that work. Um, but as far as if we're just looking from a, a partnership standpoint, you know the, the good thing about these vehicles is that you, you know who exactly who else is on this contract vehicle at the same time as you, um, and you know you can sort of do your research on you know what sort of areas or task areas, you know, companies are going to apply for if certain work falls under it. And if you happen to know, you know, some companies that you are going to apply for it, you can always reach out to them and say, you know, Hey, like, I'm, we're assuming you're going to apply for this. You know, it'd be great if we can partner because, you know, we could do X and Y and, you know, you guys can do Z and that way we can both strengthen our case, you know, versus going against, you know, maybe a big that's on a contract like Booz Allen. So I think, you know, in cases like that, you know, if you got these IDIQs, like you know we've said before, you know that's great. And if, if even better, if you can sort of network your way into knowing some other small businesses that are also on the IDIQ to sort of partner up with and, and team up with to you know take down some of the work. Yeah, definitely. Um, the IDIQs can really be a. a, a, a a, a blessing for small businesses uh, if if executed correctly, um, and again, you know, understanding the the, the technical aspects of these uh, contracting agreements is is paramount. Um, 
for all small businesses looking to enter into a partnership, uh, just understand that um, you know there is uh, a large responsibility on your part to equip yourself with knowledge and understand uh, from a business perspective um, what the expectations are and um, be realistic about um, your your ability to deliver. Um, you know, being able to align yourself with a larger organization is great, but it also comes with uh, potentially uh, a, a whole host of uh, complications that you have not previously been introduced to. So um, just equip yourself with knowledge, understand that um, it, it, it will require you to, to, to branch out of your comfort zone. Uh, but that's what's required for growth at all times. So um, we'll wrap it there. Thank you for listening to the Country Intelligence Report, and we will speak to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Country Intelligence Report. Please like and subscribe to stay on top of the latest developments with the show. For more information on the Country Intelligence Group, please visit our website at www.countryintel.com. You can also be found across multiple social media platforms at Country Intel.